0: why do we need a savior why can't jesus just be a really good teacher um and just another kind of like a, a buddha or rabbi moses um is that we we cannot really get out of the this kind of world of sin and exile from god's presence uh on our own we can't just put ourselves back into relationship to god we can't just look upon even Jesus is a great model of how I want to live my life so that I can be a better, better man, a better father, a better husband. Um, but that all those efforts end up falling short and actually maybe mm-hmm. um, drawing us further from really being brought back in union with God. And so God had to send yeah. his son. God had to become man so that man could become God as, as Athanasius, St. Athanasius said.
1: As we start the second year of Almost Good Catholics, I asked my old friend David Basil, the theology teacher and our very first guest last year, to come back and explain the mystery of our redemption in the sacrifice of Christ crucified. What is more central to our Christian faith? And yet, at least for me, what is more difficult to understand? So this will be the first new episode of 2023. Woohoo! Season two, shifting from Christmas back to ordinary time and celebrating 40,000 total downloads worldwide of the program so far. And so at the very end, I'll play a couple of Christmas carols in their entirety from Josh and Margot of the Great Space Coaster Band to share the joy of Christ coming into the world and into our hearts, which is also the topic of this episode. Welcome to Almost Good Catholics, a conversation about theology and apologetics. I'm your host, Chris Hedinus, and I get to ask interesting people who have thought about the big questions to share their conclusions, to explain what we know, how we know it, why we think we know it. I hope this format, in relationship and dialogue, in back and forth, may help us approach the truth and have a really good time doing it. Should you want to take the conversation a step further, please email me at almostgoodcatholics at gmail.com. Today, my guest for the third time is Mr. David Basil. He is Theology Chair at Archbishop... Rummel High School in Metairie, Louisiana. He also has a Master's of Theology from the Dominican School of Philosophy and Theology, part of the Graduate Theological Union in Berkeley, California. So this is David's third appearance on the show, and uh, I am so delighted to talk with you again. Happy New Year, David. Happy New
0: Year. Yeah, it's it's a great joy to be back and speaking with you in person. This is well, at least virtually. Um yeah. This is a great delight.
1: Yeah. Um, so right and I uh, the show has has had a, a lot has happened We moved it from my old um, my old website which was working great to uh, something much bigger called new Books network and so they've just published all the episodes one after another and we've had so many way more downloads so it's it's been very nice to have uh, so many listeners find us which meant that we went for the last month it's just been going, all the old episodes from last year. So this is going to be the first episode um, yeah. published from 2023. Uh, so it's nice. It's symmetrical that uh, you are the guest again. I, I think I'll call this season two, <laughs> episode 39. Um, so welcome again. Uh, do you have? Do you have a joke? Sure. Uh, given that the topic
0: today was going to be salvation, and I spent a lot of time, um, and I have been spending a lot of time thinking about sacrifice. I Um, thought of this one. Uh, so you know how relationships go and you know how, uh, in order to make a, a a good relationship between spouses, um, sometimes, um, things don't always work out and, um, there's arguments, there's fights. So my wife said the other day that in order to make our relationship work, we would each need to make sacrifices. (laughs) Uh, which I took to heart, um, but she seems a little less impressed and happy about me leaving a lot of dead goats all around the kitchen.
1: <laughs> As actually, that sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lamb's that's back a, on the uh, menu. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, we should we should that's what we should start with is um, sacrifice. Why there's sacrifice? Where that comes from? Because my you know why. I don't know if you heard um, the conversation I had long ago with another theologian from the same Dominican school where you went. And I had told him this little parable that my dad had told me when I was little, and I don't know where he read it. And I asked him about it much later and he did not even remember telling me the story, but it was somewhere sometime he had read this story about a tyrannical ruler who had, you know, some, um, Reclusive, some uh, hidden away Himalayan kingdom, and along came some American mountaineers who, you know, misbehaved and camped in the wrong places and left litter and broke all kinds of rules. And so the king arrested them and said, "You know, in my in my kingdom, the p- penalty for your misbehaviors, for your many sins, is death. However, because I am a merciful king, I will kill my own son instead and let you go and and let you go free." Right, which is an absurd parable, uh, but but it illustrates the the like what what why why would God say bring His only begotten Son into the world just to kill Him, just to let us off the hook for things we had done to Him, when He could you know is He not God? Can He not with a wave of a wave of a hand pardon all? What are the mechanics of of redemption and salvation and um yeah of redemption and sacrifice? Where does this come from? How does it work?
0: Yeah, so your parable um, exemplifies to me something that I think I, I can't accept uh, in a certain extent. It is not this vision of a punitive um, God, uh, one that is wrathful and demands, uh, in a sense of justice, the um, death and punishment of all those who have wronged him and offended him, who have sinned against him. Um, that that doesn't really, I mean uh he is he is our father right so he's the prototype Mm -hmm. of um fatherhood he is the the archetype of fatherhood which i want to embody in all ways and i just imagine in terms of my own children like all right uh they have they've done something wrong i come home and i'm informed of one having hit the other and so um you know i must uh now banish or exile or um possibly even uh, kill him uh, to just uh, out, out of my wrath and out of my spite. This is that's not the picture of yeah. fatherhood that I have. Right? That's and that's that's not really how I see it. I don't really know theologically where this kind of creeps in. I know that um, in many ways this is this is very much a part of uh, Luther and Calvin, especially Calvin's theology. But uh, you know, to, to picture that, um, you
1: mean the you mean the
0: wrath? Why so, why is yes. God? and the demand for death
1: yeah um right and we see that in like um puritanism and I, I is it john edwards the american writer who who gave that sermon about how god holds us the way you hold a creepy spider above a fire ready to at any moment
0: <laughs> i've
1: heard Just, that before destroy. yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Sounds a little distorted, doesn't it?
1: That's a, that's a sermon I got in high school, I remember, when we were reading the uh, Scarlet Letter, just to help us understand uh-huh. what the mentality was of these 17th century people. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, It is. it seems peculiar to me that we would have, um, it's kind of in your parable model, we have a humanity, which has fallen, which has sinned, and uh, a deserving of death, um, and God demands death of them, and then His own Son says, "Though innocent, I'm willing to take um, their place and kill me." And um, so, therefore, God does so. Um, I don't really think that's their story. Mm-hmm. I think that's a misinterpretation. Okay. Um, and in, in some ways, you have to go back to when death. You know, it could also
1: come. It could also come from these ancient Mesopotamian tropes. Where the you know not Yahweh, but the other gods, they were all they were all really mean, and they wanted people for slaves, and they wanted to, you know, if you like, I I don't remember the story now, but like Marduk cutting yes. open the the world dragon, and from that Tiamat. creating the world, Tiamat, yes,
0: yeah, yeah, right, and creation comes out of this primordial act of violence.
1: Yeah, and then and then the other thing is, we assume that we should be nice to each other but maybe that's only because we've lived with christianity for 2000 years whereas, right. <laughs> whereas before that people were like i'm i'm going to watch for my tribe i'm going to protect my you know subjects and overlord but everybody else
0: why yeah why they may the not earth? they might be lesser they might not yeah. be equal and made in the image of likeness of god they don't aren't deserving of that kind of yeah. level of dignity and respect right right so i okay. think that's um so and, our view of wrath is wrong eh or Yeah, and I think that, um, yes, I think our view of wrath is wrong. Okay. Um, To anthropomorphize uh, human emotions of wrath upon God, I think, is faulty. Although, when we are in a state of uh, sin, when we are cut off from God, I certainly, the the feeling that a, a human would have would be, as though one is, um, God is wrathful.
1: That's um, interesting. So is that a self-imposed alienation? Right. Um, when I do, when I, as
0: a result of sin, yeah.
1: Right. When I commit a sin between some sin I just committed and between, when I get over the confession and I put it all, put it all away, I have distanced myself from God, kind of like, uh, Adam and Eve hiding, right? Who told you you were naked, right? That that's sort of a feeling. Right. Okay.
2: And
0: you as a father could probably recognize this when one of your own children are uh, disobedient or uh, have done something wrong. And the you can just look upon them. And even if your heart is loving, if there's a kind of a sense of sternness and a, a sense of they feel um, withdrawn from what you wanted them, how you have raised them to be, their emotional state projects a kind of... Uh, anger and wrathfulness upon you okay. as you try to correct and discipline and bring them back into
1: order. Right. Well, why is that? Is that because I think they're not taking it seriously enough and they're making excuses as little children do or, or just because they feel a separation from the rules in the, that we made as a little family.
0: Well, I cannot really love as God loves. So I'm always getting my own kind of anger. Inter, yeah. injected into it but um as a father but i think that it is the emotional state of their o- own doing of their sense of separation that then they feel removed from your love and uh, that feels like hell um yeah. no um, okay okay on a more existential level the sense of like uh, uh our stories of uh adam and eve this is when death enters into the world and um and so the as as well the need for a redeemer the need for salvation so i think always we must go back to genesis one and two and particularly then in three um and what we see is uh and ah i wish i had my bible right here because i'm well
1: you not... do you have to open another tab <laughs> <laughs> that's true I, I can actually get up and walk
0: you, you, my, do... uh, over to a bible but what we see is death isn't necessarily a punishment in genesis 3. um now paul does say that the wages of sin is death but he doesn't say the punishment um, of sin is death um it's just what is owed uh and to a certain extent if you if we read carefully genesis 1 i don't necessarily even see it as um punitive but actually already enact a gift that god has given so they've eaten of the fruit of the tree of knowledge uh, of good and evil and uh, at this point they ha- weren't meant to die um, so they're in a certain sense like the angels um, and the demons in that um, they're immortal and um, but now they they know good and evil so like um they know and, and by that word know we have a kind of an intimacy that we see throughout scripture that whenever a man knows a woman there's a, a child comes forth that there's a there's a deep intimacy with the knowledge of good and evil which they have now and um so they're kind of removed yeah. from that um kind of state of innocence almost childhood innocence and I'm looking.
1: Yeah, so I have Genesis three. Which one? Where do we? Where should we look? So Genesis towards the three? end of two um, of Genesis
0: three twenty one.
1: Okay, Genesis three twenty one.
0: So just before this, you know, we hear um, the curses that God placed upon the snake, the serpent, and we see now Adam uh, will have to toil. Uh, with the sweat on his brow and um eve will experience pain uh in childbirth Um, and what's interesting is throughout that in those consequences adam and eve are not cursed but now somehow their removal from the god um has cursed the ground so that's going to be an interesting Mm. thing that we look at um is that the ground becomes polluted by their sin. And so we see like sin spreads. Uh, Sin is a pollution that emanates and has effects. It's not just an individual um, thing. Um, But uh, in 21, we see the Lord God made for the man and his wife garments of skin with which he clothed them. And that garments of skin. already seems to give reference to some kind of animal
1: sacrifice that's true because uh, everybody was a vegetarian until this point
0: yeah he's well he's a veg- they're vegetarian until after noah's flood so right oh. they're totally vegetarian and um they don't have to they haven't yet even had to toil uh to till the soil or anything of that sort um but now there's some how god has provided for them garments of skin and some um Theologians in the past have also looked at this as like they have a new kind of a body. Their body has changed. Um, Not to say that they didn't have matter before, but now they are going to have death. Uh, So they they have a skin, um, a new kind of covering. And it's an interesting thing, too, too, as well, is that that their nakedness is now covered um, by first fig leaves and now garments of skin. So we'll, we'll see, again, this picture of, throughout the story of salvation, throughout the story of sacrifice, um, is, is an atonement. is this covering um, over of one's sinful state. Yeah. And then the Lord God said, See, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. So he's in God, we see already in this council uh, with, with his angels and with a uh, Uh, the father's with the son and the holy spirit and he says man has become like one of us Mm -hmm. knowing good and evil and if he were to remain in that state if he were to be immortal then he would be like a demon um cut off from god forever and so they uh and that's what comes to the next line and um verse 22 now what if he also reaches out his hand to take fruit from the tree of life and eats of it and lives forever so if we had remained without death we would have forever been disobedient if we had reached out and, and taken the tree of life um we would have remained disobedient to god cut off from him and so the lord god therefore banished him from the garden of eden so to, take, to till the ground from which he had been taken. He expelled the man, stationing the cherubim and the fiery revolving sword east of the garden death, of yeah. Eden to guard the way to the tree of life. So we, he prevented us from becoming like the angels and the demons, and in yeah. particular, from becoming like the demon. And so, the, so, so death is a kind of a gift.
1: And right. Know... This is so spare. Right. There's so little. If only they had added a line <laughs> that said, you know, so that he if all, in order for him to return, or, right? Because you're right. There's no cursing of of man. And yeah. uh, and we Christians interpret this us as a trinitarian that God is talking to the other persons of the Trinity. Yes, Not
0: and possibly that, his whole council no. of of all the angelic beings. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Um which appears again in Job, right? Where God is hanging out in among among his council and Satan appears with a with a with a deal. Yes. So yeah. so that sort of thing is so is it's so rare in the Bible to get a look into the heavenly courtroom. Uh sorry, heavenly court. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um but is
0: also, as you mentioned earlier, gonna be um reflective of the entire ancient Near East, the Mesopotamian understanding the, 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 that God had a council of that there was this all-father God who um, has a council of gods and um, which in the Christian tradition, Judeo-Christian tradition, we wouldn't recognize as um, God so much as angelic beings.
1: Yeah, but this is is such, this disobedience is so grave rather than God restoring the tree and, you know, taking the fruit away, like death, it has to be, why is it such a grave? Why, why, why the tree? First of all, why the tree? <laughs> why, not, why put a tree that, you know, that we're not allowed yeah. to touch? Don't eat it. <laughs> don't, like, look, but don't touch. Like, you know, that's, uh, Al, Al Pacino as the devil in whatever movie that was. He, he's like, look, but don't touch, touch, but don't take. Or <laughs> it's like, um, why do that? Knowing full well, because he's God, that that's exactly what's going to happen, right? Just as like anytime you say, you say to a little kid, hey, don't touch the candy, I'll be back in 10 minutes. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. Um, so why do that? Why? And then why knowing full well that this is exactly what's going to happen? It carries this grave penalty of death rather than just like, okay, fine, don't do it again. Letting the serpent into the garden in the first place, the most cunning of animals. Do we all agree that that is Satan? Because all it says here at the very beginning, now the snake was the most cunning of all wild animals that the Lord had made. He asked the woman, did God really say, right?
0: Yeah, and the snake doesn't is of all the wild animals, whereas there is there in a garden. Um, yeah, so he's sneaking in there, eh? he's sneaking in in there right from somewhere on the outside so the the, all of the heavens and earth have been created but then god sets a garden uh somewhere in the east um so that's there's a there's a particular place in which god is dwelling even though of course this is kind of the paradox of our faith but of all i think spiritual traditions is that uh, God is everywhere; He's omnipresent, um, and yet uh, we find Him in particular places, and He dwells in certain places.
1: Yeah, um, right. Well, this is the the idea of a garden. I'm borrowing from the famous Canadian psychologist Jordan Peterson, who says that like it's the right balance because too much order is not a garden; it's a it's a house or a parking lot, and too much chaos is not a garden; it's a it's a jungle. But a garden is a really nice amount of order and chaos. And that's why we like gardens.
0: Right, right. And so something from the outside, something from chaos slips on in and, um, starts to whisper and and tempt Eve. Um, so the two trees, why, where are the two, well, part of, uh, the rational animal, part of any of the, um, persons, whether they're human or angel or, um, divine are, uh, there is this knowledge of good and evil. Um, there is what is to be done and there's what's not to be done. Um, and so that was present with us, but I think, um, we're not to take and eat of it our, ourselves. So, uh, you know, when I'm teaching the students, I'll pause and when we're exploring this, and just ask, what does it mean to eat? And um, basically, what is not someone? What is what is not you has to become you. That the digestive process has to destroy and annihilate the um, the form of the other, and then the body uh, absorbs that into. So that it's unified as you and that is something that um and then whatever it, if it doesn't if, if you don't do the digestion destroy something else you get sick you're going to have an allergy or you're to throw up or or whatever so um they're taking of this fruit they're eating of this fruit they're they're making the knowledge of good and evil their own um, which is to say they're asserting their autonomy they're mm-hmm. seizing the um, ability to determine what's right and wrong apart from God.
1: Yeah. And that's
0: Which, what we're not yeah. to do.
1: With, but it's, and it's also the natural growth of any child. Into right. World. right. Right. With that right. um, separation and return, separation and return, separation and return as we try stuff out, as we you know, borrow the car without asking and crash it into a tree, or <laughs> as as we you know kick the soccer ball at the wrong time and break a window. Mm-hmm. Um, but the you know fruit is explicitly to be consumed, right? Un- unlike uh, killing an animal, like the whole reason a tree produces fruit is so somebody eats it, and the and uh, so a bird will eat of it and then spread the seeds far far away, and and so on. Right? Why have fruit if it's not to be? Why have such well, attractive fruit in the middle of the forest? Yeah. In the middle of the garden.
0: And it's uh, it's not given to them by God to eat. So it's a fruit. It's to be eaten. But it's not. they don't eat of it in his presence. Yeah. They uh, eat of right. it on their own with a desire to decide for themselves. Then, as uh, the temptation was, is that you will become like God. They and so they did, right? They made yeah. their own call. I can choose for myself as a, as a teenager to say, I don't, you know, I'm going to decide what's what's good or not. Um, yeah, 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 so you're right. It's okay, this yeah, natural, this is the beauty of,
1: of scripture, it's, a, it's absolutely amazing. Um, it I is. mean, yes, we believe the Holy Spirit inspired this, uh, but the, yeah. f- the fact that people, you know, 3,000 years ago composed this. Uh, and so much of it is spot on to what's happening inside my own heart and mind.
0: Yeah, its word is eternal. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, it's quite miraculous. Okay, so now we have rebellion. So rebellion have rebe- carries death, not so much as a punishment or a curse, but because that's the way to atone. Like you can't, you can't, God cannot, it's too big a deal for God to wave his hand and say, let's try again, Oh, let's go back to yesterday. Yeah, there's, just, no, as, there's no going as, back to yesterday. As
0: with the fall of the the some the angels, a third of the angels fell. They rebelled, and they um, the consequence of that is um, death or exile from God. And that's presence.
1: astonishing too, because how could they? Right? How could they presume that this one angel is going to take over God's spot? Well,
0: like, it seems to be what all those other myths in mesopotamia are about right because marduk just doesn't come onto the scene to kill his mother tiamat yeah uh he is the child of uh he's her child and uh they in order to ascend to the throne of all these ancient mythologies whether it's greek and zeus killing Kronos and others the god the hot the high god kills the prior gods to ascend Yeah. Um, So did the devil just think that this was possible? It seems insane that he would. It seems
1: insane that he would. Uh, Maybe because he had so much freedom in God's pleasure that he got really confused. Okay, now where do we know that there is this rebellion where a third of the angels uh, rebelled, followed Lucifer, and were expelled? Is this a creation of John Milton's, or is this Um, in the magisterium of the Catholic Church?
0: Uh, This is in Revelations, and John Milton, um, a beautiful poem, enjoy it very much, Uh, certainly injects his own kind of puritanical understanding of when that takes place. But I'm not... um, It's... Certainly we see it in revelations that the, the um,
1: dragon being expelled or does it say a third of the angels in there? And a third of the, yeah. And a third of the stars fall. Ah, with them down to the earth. Gotcha. I never realized that. Okay. So that's where, that's where we have this narrative from. Right. Yeah. Okay. So now, okay. We see
0: as well other signs of it. And I know that it exists in, um, non, uh, non-inspired or or non-scriptural aspects of the Jewish tradition. Um, We also know that in Genesis um, 6, I believe, where the sons of God, which you could understand to be angelic beings, um, are seduced, uh, tempted by the daughters of men, and come down and breed the giants the nephilim yeah so there's already kind of a picture of fallen angels um in at that point as well as right here in genesis 3 we have the the serpent coming in
1: yeah that for me like that's such an interesting thing that um you're right it's genesis 6 verse 4 the nephilim appeared on earth in those days as well as later after the sons of God had intercourse with the daughters of human beings who bore them sons, and they were the heroes of old, the men of right. renown. The mighty men. Yep. Yeah, that's that's astounding too. That's that, <laughs> that one line, the, those two sentences. Yeah. Okay, so uh, what else? So uh, humans get death, not necessarily as a curse or a punishment, but as a path to return that you will.
0: Yeah, we would have been crystallized if we had eaten a like vampire, like yeah we would have been <laughs> exiled from god out of in a state of rebellion and then um if it weren't for death we would have been stuck there so i don't, i don't know exactly how death allows for the possibility of repentance whether you know knowing our mortality draws us to desire to live uh, righteously to desire to be, um, just in God's eyes. I don't, I don't know exactly how that works, but we do have that, that sense of having been cut off. Um, and we do want to be back to God and death is a great motivator for that.
1: Because there'll be a a second choosing, right? At the moment of death, where do you want to go back to God? Or do you want to go to hell and continue living on your own terms?
0: Yeah, and the unknown of, of the afterlife. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really clear theologically. Yeah. like why, no, I, does, why death is that gift that allows for the possibility of redemption to play out?
1: Well, I think we all agree that death brings its a sweetness because of the scarcity of time. And so everything is a little more special. Everything matters. You're going to use your time wisely. You're going to try to spend time with your family and friends and not, you know, Nobody, nobody on their deathbed says, "Oh, I wish I spent more time at work." It's like, no, this is a very short life. There's a lot of good things to be done. And while we dread death, as all mortals do, because we don't know what's on the other side, it, uh, if you were to live forever, you, it would, th- your life would lose its flavor. And I think that's the moral of every vampire story. Certainly in Bram Stoker's Dracula, which I remember reading in college, when they finally kill Dracula, like he's so relieved. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. he, uh, like finally at last (laughs) Um, uh, so okay so why the sacrifice of the the living word of God the creator of the universe through him all things were made
0: yeah so we are so what the last picture uh, from Genesis 3 would be this picture of exile that were banished from the Garden of Eden and um there's something that we see throughout the Old Testament, and we see this as well into the New Testament, that there's something about God's holiness, uh, His purity, that nothing impure can be in His presence. Um, it, it, there's stories of Aaron's sons uh, slipping in and to the um, tent of the tabernacle, and possibly being drunk or somehow offering the wrong kind of incense and uh, just being killed um, for entering into God's presence in an impure kind of state. Um,
1: I think there's one guy who trips and touches the Ark of the Covenant and he's carrying it and he is also killed.
0: Right, right. So throughout these pictures of the animal sacrifices, there's this picture that the consequence of, um sin is either exile or death. That nothing if you, nothing can be in God's presence. If you saw God, you would burn up. It was just understanding.
1: Yeah. And um, those feel those feel like cruel penalties if you think that death is annihilation instead of consummation. Because right. from from the Christian point of view, he's just saying, Okay, game over. <laughs> you, you know. You're done, you're done on this part. Come to the next part.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so with this state of... Um, and the, one other thing from Genesis 3 as well would be um, verse 3, um, 15. And in that, we refer to it as what's called the proto-evangelium, the kind of proto-gospel, um, the promise of a Redeemer. And he's speaking with the, the, the snake at this point. And he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. They will strike at your head while you strike at their heel. So we have, Christians have always seen this as the promise of a coming of a redeemer um, who will, with, and it's very interesting here, with the, uh, the woman step upon the head of the the serpent uh strike it at her head at their his head Um, and so that promising coming of a redeemer is what most of pretty much the rest of the old testament is building up to and um so we see kind of types of the ultimate sacrifice of christ throughout uh and especially in the kind of animal sacrifices um that are performed and that so if we look at the like the day of atonement uh the sacrifices of the two goats and the day of atonement in uh leviticus everyone's everyone's favorite chapter of the bible um, <laughs> Leviticus is usually when anyone wants to read the whole bible through where they just realize no i'm, I'm done that's yeah. enough yeah um, but all the laws that I things, we we see I, I think it's Leviticus 16 or so where you you we come across this um, sacrifice of the two goats and um Yes, yeah, like the, the on the Day of Atonement, and the anim- two goats would be brought to the high priest, and upon one, uh, the high priest would lay his hands and place all of his and the community's sins upon the goat. And we often get this misunderstanding that that goat is then what's going to be sacrificed, but it's mm-hmm. not. Um and this is what's kind of odd to me because it, it's not that um, the sins need to. It, it, this is really important. Like the sins are placed upon this goat, and they're transferred to this goat, but that goat is not killed.
1: Okay, I I, I have it. It's sixteen seven. Uh, or sixteen yes. six says Aaron shall offer the bull his purification offering to make atonement for himself and for his household. Taking the two male goats and setting them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting, he shall cast lots to determine which one is for the Lord and which one is for Azazel. The goat that is determined by lot for the Lord, Aaron shall present and offer up as a purification offering. But the goat determined by lot for Azazel, he shall place before the Lord alive so that with it he may make atonement by sending it off to Azazel in the desert. What is that? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so
1: Azazel, Azazel was- is this... That's the devil, I take it? or
0: Yeah, it's another, it's a kind of goat headed um, devil, uh, which I don't know all too much of the details, but is worshipped in some way or another.
1: Um, Anything that ends in L has, has to do with God, I believe. So
0: Yeah, so he's an angry, fierce, uh, goat headed, um, I believe it's a goat headed God from some Mesopotamian kind of culture. And so the sins cannot remain in Israel. And so they are placed upon that goat and they're sent off into the wilderness for to go off to where Azazel is, uh, to go to just to leave the community. Um, Because again, the picture is what is impure cannot be in God's presence. So sin is cast out uh, from God's presence. And then the other goat is slaughtered for purification and what that is is that it's understood uh, earlier in the biggest that the blood life, the blood of an animal or the blood of a person is where their life is and so the killing of that um, the other goat is not in order to kind of redeem the sins the sins have been already removed the killing of the, of the goat isn't so important. It's that they need the blood, because the mm-hmm. life is in the blood, and the life and the blood is used to purify, and so it's sprinkled all around the land. Because the blood, um, the Adam's sin pollutes the earth; it's cursed the ground. And then later, you know, in Cain and Abel, the blood has spilled onto the ground, and as uh, and God says, um, you know, your sin is ca- crying up from the earth.
1: Right. That ground uh, is crying or the blood, the spilled blood is crying to God.
0: Yeah. And that, um, so the, the blood of a pure goat is used then to, as by the, by the priest to purify the, and consecrate, reconsecrate the altar, the, the tent, and then it's brought around and sprinkled throughout the camp of Israel. So the blood is what purifies
1: um, it must have sm- really smelled the whole <laughs> <laughs> the, the
0: sweet offerings <laughs> yeah yes
1: yeah because yeah, i can understand the cooking of the meat right as, uh, yeah. as uh, 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 another bible scholar called it like a great barbecue right um, but just the amount of flies from all this blood buzzing around which you know another devil is Be- Beelzebub I think is the lord of the flies yes, I mean, the, yeah yeah like, there must have been so many flies um <laughs> anytime there was these sacrifices you know just in the um okay so so that is and also is there something about like you have to sacrifice for it to mean something right the reason speeding tickets yeah. carry a $300 fine is so that if it were a ten dollar fine I would not I w I wouldn't I wouldn't care. Right.
0: You do you know, do you know in uh Finland I believe they assess fines um proportional to your income?
1: I think that's really a good idea because if if you're you know Michael Bloomberg, you don't care about a one right. million dollar fine. Right.
0: Yep. As many yeah. tickets as you want, no problem. Yeah. Right.
1: Except for like yeah. on the fourth one they take your license and then you have to go stand at the DMV again or go to drive, traffic. <laughs> and then you really do care because that's time which <laughs> yeah, which is valuable for everybody
0: yeah so what do we mean by sacrifice
1: um
0: and that's that's again something i'll bring up to the kids because like animal sacrifice is pretty weird pretty extreme kind of not not part of our cultural modern day understanding at all um so like when I, as i'm teaching the high schoolers I don't start there with animal sacrifice, or uh, really kind of. They could intellectually comprehend how the life of the blood the, the, is in the the life is in the blood, and that the animal uh, sacrifice is therefore bringing life back to the community. That's okay. They could conceptually grasp that, but we have to get to what a sacrifice is, um, and. You know, just by definition, it's kind of a surrender of a possession as an offering. Um, mm-hmm. Surrender of kind of typically a, a valuable pre- possession for mm-hmm. something that is going to be more valuable. Um, and yes, there is that then the act of slaughtering an animal as an offering to God, and particularly like we'll see with Cain and Abel, one of the things is. Um, Abel offers up the first fruit and the choicest uh, fat, um, whereas Cain just seems to make an offering of his crops. Um, so this this giving of what is really cher- what is cherished and maybe even precious to someone uh, for some greater good. And that, I'll, I'll ask them, you know, give me some examples um, and they'll speak of, you know, okay, like uh, taking, doing dishes for their parents or taking the trash out or, um, you know, go, uh, willing to be late to a class and possibly suffer detention to allow, um, to help a friend who could find his bag, you know, or things of that sort. Um, but then... You know, we talk about like well, time. You know, mm-hmm. setting aside playing video games so that you do your homework. <laughs> yeah, and that's a kind of a sacrifice. Um, and and they start to get it. That the, the, uh, and even like attention. Um, if you want to focus, if you want attention, you have to be willing to give up where you might want to go where your tendencies are the disparate desires of our uh, of our concupiscent kind of be state and and like offer those up so that you can give your attention to um something that is of more value and uh, you know and i refer that to prayer like prayer is a you need to do an interior kind of like sacrifice in order just to pray um not only in terms of the time that you carve out for it but the quality of your um your your mind and your your heart um and and so that that picture of sacrifice and then recognition of like okay so uh where else do we refer to sacrifice in our larger society and you know uh, from the sacrificial fly or sacrificial bunt uh, you know they kind of get the picture more clearly, or the mm-hmm. the ultimate sacrifice of a soldier, um, willing to throw his his life on a grenade, um, and to, in order to save or his yeah. his fellow soldiers. Um. And they get it right. They get that the uh, what overall a sacrifice is, and
1: because 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 it shows value
0: yeah and it shows someone willing to give something up um for that value for what is valued.
1: yeah and and again maybe that's why it's so sweet to die and have limited a number of time because however much my speeding ticket costs or whatever that's just That's just time I spent working, right? Time I didn't spend, and I don't have that much time. I only have a few years, right? right? Why, uh, why you're supposed to, you know, when you when you give an engagement ring, it doesn't. You are supposed to just spend a lot of money on it, even though it looks the same. If you spent a little bit of money on it, uh, because it represents a lot of time you've invested, and then it shows that in the future you will also invest time and in that relationship, and so the the woman can believe that okay, this is a good. This is a good choice because here's a person who will continue putting me ahead of his other desires, and so on. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's perfect. Yeah. Right. And um, okay, so I, I yeah, and also um, to go back to Jordan Peterson and his Bible talks, he he talks about the discovery of sacrifice as a way to become people who can build a civilization because they know how to plan and they know how to put grain aside for the you know for the lean years and so on. And it sort of differentiates the the grasshopper from the is it grasshopper and the ants? Is it the ants mm-hmm. who work and yep. the grasshopper plays and then the ants have food in the winter and the grasshopper doesn't? And you you can't build a city or have granaries if all you're doing is hanging out in the woods and like that it's like you're just either full or hungry. And by sacrificing you can plan and then you can really build a civilization which is which just requires yeah. a city. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. There's. Uh, I think as well. There's. Um, there's these pictures of sacrifice in the ancient world, um, where we'll see in pagan societies um, sacrifice of animals, um, but also human sacrifice.
1: And, yeah. Um. Which suddenly doesn't sound so monstrous in this context, you know. Because well, I, I, I was always appalled, you know, with uh, Abraham and Isaac. The fact that when God tells Abraham to go kill Isaac, Abraham does not say, "That's crazy. What are you talking about? I've never heard of this. That's insane." Because it wasn't insane. Because that must have happened all the time, right? He, yeah, must He responds in a way as if that was. Uh, something that's not a bizarre, because it's, it's not like, oh, cut off your left foot. And you'd be like, okay, but you know, and so many people had a human sacrifice, not just the Aztecs 500 years ago, but certainly in ancient Mesopotamia and child sacrifice and so on.
0: Right. Yeah. I think in um, my understanding that towards the end of the Aztec empire, there was 20,000 human sacrifices a year.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, just- yeah. Yeah. Now it's hard to know. It's hard to know because sometimes numbers are um, rhetorical, and it's hard to know if they know how to count. But you know, like it, and and these are killed one by one with stone knives. It's not like you can shoot them against the wall uh, with machine guns. So it's like you kill one person after another person after another person with a stone knife cutting them. It's so much effort.
0: And. What was the state of these people? It's a, we have no idea. Is this voluntary or is this um, are they themselves kind of just bound and uh, going unwillingly or willingly?
1: In the Aztec context, most of them are prisoners of war. Most of yeah. them are taken um, either as a as a levy or as captives from the neighboring tribes, which is why somebody like Cortez, who's no you know who's who's no paragon of virtue himself, can quickly find tens of thousands of allies, you know, and why mm-hmm. five hundred Spaniards can overthrow a hundred thousand Aztecs, because everybody is really tired of getting murdered on these pyramids, and right. they're like, "You okay? We'll we'll join you instead."
0: Yeah, and something's not working anymore here.
1: Yeah, uh, right. Right. So, but okay, so there's a, a sense that we're going to kill you to pay this debt to our god because our crops are not going well, or something's wrong. So I'm going to capture somebody else and kill him. But that's not really a sacrifice at that point because I'm, you're paying for my problems.
0: Yeah. So, so I haven't spent a lot of time researching ancient uh, sacrifices, but the little that I have understood is that they are, um, in a certain sense, uh, acts of hospitality, inviting a um, a god. Uh, on into uh, some kind of idol, some kind of a, a body, some kind of a statue, or other such, where they where food is being offered to invite them to dwell and in and amongst uh, that people, mm-hmm. uh, and that that is then um, bringing those. Um, those forces on into that community.
1: Yeah, Uh, certainly uh, the three strangers, right? The three strangers who come to Abraham's tent and tell him that Sarah will conceive a child and he's, he's really, he, you know, Abraham, Lord of all these people is leaping up and making the bread and moving fast and like really hop into it to, to, and then Lot, I think is another example where he, he will protect strangers from a mob and sacrifice his own children to protect strangers from a mob of, 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 crazed rapists.
0: Right. There are these kind of pagan kind of sacrifices um, to idols in which there's going to be some animal or some grain or some uh, smoke incense that is going to be offered with the hope that then that God will dwell in that idol, grant them. Um, and those people are kind of a, a power. Um and the this kind of a animal sacrifice is almost opposite of what Christians do. So in these kind of pagan sacrifices, the idea is to take the life of something, to consume it, to give you to give you access to some power. Because the other aspect to the animal sacrifices of the pagans is that um it was a meal. they all partook in mm-hmm. right which is um, we we hear Paul saying, do not eat of uh, the sacrifices and the blood and the sacrifices of pagan rituals um, because then you become part of that um, that being um, and this is kind of what they understood is that those in those sacrifices, those who are eating of what is being offered, then are joined in hospitality uh, to that being. Um, And so when we think about Christ's sacrifice as a lamb of God, um, we don't see this either human-wise or in the sense of a lamb of God, a kind of analogy to this this animal sacrifice we don't see him um his life being taken right as uh i forget exactly where in john it says no one can take um the life of the son of man but he lays his own life down Hmm. so he's not his life isn't being taken from him he's offering his life he's giving it so now we have a picture of a god uh god man being giving his life um, and the people, um, also, then, as, as we understand to the Eucharist, um, are joined to Him through that act.
1: That's and, and that's it. a that's a great mystery, right? The, the Bishop right. Baron says in his um, reflection on his Rosary YouTube video that like part of this is that Jesus endures every kind of horrible thing all on the same day. You know, he's betrayed by his friends. He's treated with injustice uh, by the court. Uh, he is mocked. He is tortured and then kill- killed. His mm-hmm. mother has to watch. Like, all all the wor- worst things that you could imagine happening are piled upon his shoulders all at one instance. Uh, and somehow, that kind of like to the scapegoat. This binds to him all the rotten things we have done and continue to do to each other. Right.
0: And just like that scapegoat, in a certain sense, both of the scapegoats are united in him. Yeah. Um, because as he is, if he's not just exiled away, he receives all of those. And then all, all the, the torture, the torment, the mocking, the evil that human can do, um, he accepts, and then the, um, but as with the second goat, he is also sacrificed. Um, and then his blood is drips and purifies, uh, the world. Um, so we understand that, um, this is the blood of the new covenant, uh, that, and that we consume his body blood soul and divinity and so are joined to him um so in a certain sense this is uh kind of what the pagans were doing in a fallen way they were trapping gods into idols trapping these angelic kind of or demonic kind of beings into idols and then um offering up some animal so that they could be joined to the power of that that being and i know this is to like a modern day yeah. uh, sensibilities we don't really we don't really accept angels and demons all that much but um that that maybe is a whole nother uh topic to go into um but there are these kind of patterns intelligible patterns these intelligible forces that um that are present in the world and um, we can often sometimes even just recognize that I think in uh in addictions um, yeah totally right
1: but i and I, so- I do think th- I, I, I have invited an exorcist, <laughs> so I hope okay. to, have, to have a really good talk about that but I do think there are both I think there are um literal demons right yes. from this from yes. the supernatural realm that we only get a glimpse of here and there. But there are also idols that we have created which is i am addicted to uh money or drugs or sex or anything like that and i'm putting that ahead of the the properly ordered priorities of my life
0: yeah and and there's a certain kind of pattern to alcoholism right and Mm -hmm. uh and that it's kind of disregarding the individual um the individuals can Fall into the pattern of alcoholism that seems to go beyond any one person. So it's almost like this, this as we even referred to like the, the spirit of alcohols and such. But it was almost like
1: this this being. literally literally spirits. <laughs> yes, the literally the spirits
0: that we yeah. and again we consume in ritualistic ways typically yeah. and uh, fall more and more under the power and authority of that pattern of addiction yeah um now i'm not i'm not trying to say that all al- alcoholics are demonically possessed right that's not what i'm trying to say but um but there there is something like this i think in terms of what the pagans are doing by ritualistically uh calling in a a, a fallen intelligibility in other words like some kind of pattern that is destructive and is leads to chaos and uh power and and self and that they're drawing that power and trapping it, or trying to, or believing that they can trap it into some kind of material body. Which who knows? Maybe that intelligibility wants and desires some kind of a physical body, and then um, and they are then sharing in this consuming of a of a food to join with it, the, the the offering of a light so. Th- this is exactly how uh, Christianity flips all that. Is that? Yeah, um, we're not trapping a god into a material body God is giving his body to us and putting it into or transubstantiating it into from bread and wine into being his body that then we consume so we can be joined back to the very principle of order in the universe the logos himself and so the the Eucharist is joining us back into this pattern of life and uh, an, an eternal life and an overflowing of, uh, of life um, and yeah. which is then healing of all of our
1: wounds. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and be- because it resets your patterns, because it's so much more powerful, and because it just reminds you of, um, your it's it's it can help ha- it can free you from any other addiction too, and especially if you you know through confession and the Eucharist.
0: Right, right, yeah, and the faith
1: size of a mustard seed. So right. this is this is really God making himself accessible to us in a way that is intelligible and to help right. us return to him while still on this earth. Because the fear is, I don't know about fear, but the, the fact is if we don't get into a pattern of preferring God to the things on this planet, when the final judgment comes, we will again not prefer God and we'll... So not not that God would throw us in the hell because He's a loving Father, but we would prefer to obstinately choose the corner where there is no God, which is of course hell. We would damn ourselves, unless we're in the habit of choosing God while we're still here.
0: Right, and we can't uh, we can't do it on our own, and we can't do it. God had to send His Son to us, so because the state of us trying to always just choose right and choose good um and make our life perfect and uh free of pain um it just doesn't work and yeah. draws us um more and more into kind of a, a self obsessed um place yeah um, so the-
1: that makes total sense. That makes total sense. And also that the redemption isn't just the crucifixion, death and the resurrection, but the whole process, the whole entry as a baby in a manger, the whole ministry of 33 years, all of that right. is the salvation. All of that is the redemption. Right. Right. Which
0: culminates, of course, on the cross. Um, yeah. And, and I think that, so that's the other aspect to this is that, um, why do we need a savior? Why can't Jesus just be a really good teacher? Um, and just another kind of like a, a Buddha or Rabbi Moses um, is that we we cannot really get out of the this kind of world of sin and exile from God's presence uh, on our own. We can't just put ourselves back into relationship to God. We can't just look upon even jesus is a great model of how i want to live my life so that i can be a better better man a better father a better husband um but that all those efforts end up falling short and Mm -hmm. actually maybe um drawing us further from really being brought back in union with god and so god had to send his son god had to become man so that man could become god as as Athanasius, saint Athanasius, says
1: yeah, yeah, and this requires no convincing, <laughs> because everybody yeah. listening to your voice right now already knows this by by his own experience. Like where I have tried to do it on my own, it it has been uh, a, a terrible disappointment. And where I have put my hands, put myself in God's hands, and followed um, this path of uh, of um, repentance, uh, reconciliation, and uh, Eucharist, things have gone so miraculously well. Right.
0: In which all of it itself, it's, it's also kind of a participation in the self-sacrificial love of the Son. Right? Because as we say, yeah, I can't do this on my own. <laughs> we're already kind of like, in that first act of repentance, we're already beginning to say, like, I, I have to give up my own Self-control, self-attachment, and thinking that I'm—I um, really have the power and control in my life—and give that over yeah. to God. That already is a kind of a sacrifice. Um, yeah. Which then the with Christ upon the cross, that's a picture to us as well of of God's love. That His love, and this is getting back. Is this this isn't a love of this isn't a picture to me of a father who despises us deplores us think uh as i forget you just quoted uh
1: john john edwards? john edwards it's called it's called something like um sinners in the hands of an angry god it's it's something like that uh-huh. yeah so yes sorry sinners in the hands of an angry god uh seventeen forty one john john edwards
0: sinners in the hands of an angry god yeah. Yeah, I don't see the anger in all this story. I see the um, this love that sends his son, and that is uh, and can, can God's, the Father's love is also self-sacrificial love, right? He doesn't have to even have created creation, but he gave of his own being without any kind of loss to himself, he gave of his own being so there could be beings um, with no sense of competition, with no sense of kind of uh, his own kind of uh, lessening as a result. And and so likewise, his son, as an image of the father, gives of his own life for our, um, our spiritual life, for our eternal life. And so this, the whole picture to me is actually of love, not of punishment and the kind of a uh, forensic, um, uh, you know, legal mm-hmm. need for Jesus to take, um, God's wrath upon himself.
1: Yeah, that, that's really helpful. And it, I also feel it intuitively that, that, that makes much more sense. That makes much more sense.
0: It makes more sense as a father too. Yeah. I, I'm gonna. Yeah. I don't know what that image of, of uh, has done to us as Americans of the, of the wrathful father. Um,
1: but yeah. It, it, so right, it's such a conversation between anthropo- anthropological forces of ancient narratives of trying to understand oh, life and death and seasons and elements and locusts uh, to what Jesus explained. And what we feel when we deal with our own children, um, and yeah. you know, other creatures—something so I make, something I love, something I care about—could be a garden. You know, it could be something that I've given life to. How I feel about it.
0: Yeah, and that they, by God's will, hopefully will go out and continue to cultivate um, as they spread that to others.
1: Yeah. Well, Mr. David Basil, we have talked for over an hour and you have definitely answered my question. Is there anything else uh, we want to say? Uh, no, nothing comes yeah. to mind. Would you no. would you, uh, be so kind as to say a prayer or a blessing for our listeners and our, our world and our families?
0: Yes. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, Heavenly Father who has created us, who sustains us in each and every moment, and who has given us all the gifts and talents which we have. We ask that you bless us, and we especially give you thanks for the gift of your son, who gave himself so that we all may live. I ask that you continue to bless this ministry of uh, Chris Hodenitz and all of the listeners that they may receive the graces they need to hear your will and to have the courage and ability to follow it. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ,
1: amen. Amen. Chris Udiniets and David Basil recorded this conversation on Monday, January 16th, 2023. It was the feast day of St. Marcellus the I who worked to write the floundering ship of our church after the persecutions of Diocletian in the late third century. It was also the holiday, or holy day, of a secular saint here in the U.S. and that's Martin Luther King, one of the great Christian voices of the 20th century. In a January 1966 sermon called Transformed Nonconformist, Dr. King said, By opening our lives to God in Christ, we become new creatures. This experience, which Jesus spoke of as the new birth, is essential if we are to be transformed nonconformists. Only through an inner spiritual transformation do we gain the strength to fight vigorously the evils of the world in a humble and loving spirit. Our music is from Josh and Margot of the Great Space Coaster Band, www.gscoasterband.com, and I will play two Christmas songs of theirs for you now at the end of this episode. Our logo, the stained glass window in Santo Domingo de Silos in Spain, comes from the Dominican Friars of England, Scotland, and Wales, www.english.op.org I'm Chris Odinitz I'd love to read your comments at almostgoodcatholics at gmail.com and I'll talk to you soon.
2: What child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping Whom angels bring shepherds go